Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics, right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ujvala Radio, a show dedicated to love and passion, and the power they have to transform our lives. Now, find a comfortable place to sit, relax, and enjoy the show. And now, here's Terry and Robin. This is Reverend Terry Power, and you are listening to Ujvala Radio. And I am com- accompanied tonight by my partner, my friend, my uh, wife, uh, <laughs> person I spend all my time with, uh, Robin. <laughs> How you doing, darling? I'm doing really well. How are you doing, darling? Well, you know, it's another day with you, so how bad can it be? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so... Uh, wow, just welcome everybody We're having a great time here tonight um, It's been a glorious and beautiful day uh, Here it has in been. Upper Central Pennsylvania It was one of those beautiful 75 degree days Where the sun is shining There's a nice cool breeze The birds are singing Everything is green and lush And just it was just gorgeous today yeah, this is what I describe as that perfect, peaceful place in my guided meditations. This is what I'm trying to describe to people and to get them to see. Which mm. uh, is just this kind of perfect day. So it was beautiful. Um, and you know, so it's just, it's been it's been good, and here we are now sharing our evening with all of you fine folks. So. And we're going to finish up our conversation about self-care and dinacharya. Uh, before we get into it too far, though, I do want to let everybody know this is a call-in show. So uh, you can call in at 646-564-9714 and ask your questions live on the air. Or if you are in the chat room, you can post your questions in the chat room. And then if y'all, in case you don't want to, you know, be named or, or have your voice on the radio, you can always just uh, uh, put the question in the chat room and say, hey, this is, you know, this is private. Or, you know, don't tell who I am or anything. You know, you know what I mean. So uh, it's all good. So just make sure if you want your questions answered to uh, call in to 646-564. 9714. And with all of that out of the way, I'm going to uh, get out of the way of my beautiful and talented wife and let her talk to you guys more about Dinacharya. Aha. Okay. Um, So, uh, if you were listening last time, we ended after we uh, had an exhaustive conversation about the best ways to ensure that you will eliminate your bowels properly um, and So much of Ayurveda depends on your digestive system working at its best and its most efficient because most of our health is related to that in one way or another. Um, So the next of our senses, um, oh, and then we, I'm sorry, and then we were also talking about the senses 
and last week I can't find it. <laughs> we were doing self massage. Self massage. I'm sorry. We did self massage uh, after the um, eliminating your bowels. That was the first of the ten. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a poopy week, though. It was a poopy uh-huh. week. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so the next, no, the next, yeah, thank you. The next sense <laughs> that we are going to move on to after uh, self massage, after touch, touch was the sense, is taste. In and out, you read of the purpose of oral hygiene goes beyond sanitation of the mouth. According to Ayurveda, caring for your taste organs supports speech and enhances your ability to taste your food. So we can learn a lot about our overall health simply by looking at our tongue each day. Um, Before you brush your teeth, I encourage you to examine your tongue every morning, um, like certain points on your feet that are connected to the different parts of your body in reflexology. Certain points on the tongue are connected to different organs in your body as well. So, Take a, not right now, unless you happen to be in your bathroom um, or in front of a mirror. Stick your tongue out the next time you're in front of a mirror and take a good look at your tongue. Um, look at the side of your tongue. Look at the papilla on your tongue, the little, little bumpy things on your tongue. Look at the color of your tongue. Is there a coating on your tongue? Is it white? Is it yellow? Um, look at the center line of your tongue and the tip of your tongue. All of these areas of your tongue will tell you different things about your body and what's going on. And you may notice um, that you do have a coating on your tongue. And then, you know, is it white? Is it yellow? That coating in Ayurveda is called ama. And ama is an indication that you have undigested toxins in your body. And um, as I said before, Ayurveda is all about the regular purification of the body, which is why Ayurveda suggests that we scrape our tongue first thing in the morning, and then you, you, know, you can find a tongue scraper at a health food store or on Amazon. They're not expensive. And you do that in addition to brushing your teeth. A lot of Western dentists will tell you to brush your teeth. Uh, and then also brush your tongue. But a tongue scraper is better because you get to see what's coming off your tongue on the scraper. Uh, and it also sort of massages your tongue and activates and wakes up your organs inside. So they suggest that you do the tongue scraping in the morning, you know, when you brush your teeth. And I um, I have to admit, I thought this sounded crazy. and mm-hmm. uh, But I, I gave it a try. And I, I actually, uh, I, I find that my sense of taste is enhanced mm-hmm. by, by the scraper, and everything tastes more, more. Yeah. So, uh, it is a very cool experience. Uh, not, not at all what you would expect it to be. And, you know, we got a couple of stainless steel uh, tongue scrapers for under ten dollars. On one of those, uh, you know, online shopping places that shall remain unnamed. Um, <laughs> unless they start paying. No. Uh, but uh, so anyway, I apologize, but the tongue scraper is, is uh, way more cool than you would think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I actually am enjoying it. And, you know, I my first husband was a dentist, so I worked in a dental office for almost 25 years and never heard of tongue scraping. I mean, we told people to floss their teeth. We told people to brush their teeth. We told people about water picks and all kinds of rinses you can use. Um, but I have to honestly say, scraping my tongue afterward makes my tongue feel so clean. And it does enhance the taste of things that you eat uh, because your taste buds can actually taste them. It's, they're not coated. Makes, it makes total sense. Um, the other thing that comes under the category of taste is oil pulling. And oil pulling has become increasingly popular in the last five years or so. Um, and it is another form of Ayurvedic detoxification. And it removes the bacteria in the mouth and protects the teeth from your cavities. It can alleviate oversensitivity to uh, thermal, you know, hot and cold uh, in your teeth. It'll, it also will strengthen your jaw, prevent hoarseness of the voice. And it prevents wrinkles by strengthening the muscles of the jaw. 
and the face, and it improves taste perception as well, and it will boost your immunity. Um, anything that you do that cleans and detoxifies um, and strengthens is going to boost your immunity, immunities. Okay. All right, let's back up and tell people what is oil pulling, because you used it and said it like, like we're supposed to know what you're talking about. Ah, uh, that was the next. That was the very next thing I was going to say. Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so oil pulling involves taking one to two tablespoons of oil in your mouth and swishing it around. And your goal is to get to swishing it around for 20 minutes each day. But um, you know, you, you couldn't just take a mouthful of oil and, and swish it for 20 minutes on the very first day. It'd be like telling you to do 100 abs you know, ab sit-ups or 100 ab crunches the first day. It's not something your, your muscles are going to be able to do. So the first day, you know, take a, the, the two tablespoons of the oil and swish it around in your mouth for a minute. And then when you're done, you spit it out, but don't spit it in your drain. Spit it out in a trash bag or maybe a little Ziploc baggie or a cup, spit it back into a cup. And, you know, maybe dispose of it outside or if you have a um, uh, uh, garbage disposal in your sink, put it down there because it's oil. And, you know, you don't want it to clog up the drain in your bathroom sink. Um, so the best oils to use uh, are oils like sesame oil, olive oil. You could use almond or sunflower oil. But I find that the one that tastes the best is coconut oil. So that's commonly used. Uh, so you can do that. And, and again, it's just another thing that helps you de- detoxify your body and keeps all the, the great thing about this is that it, it exercises all the muscles in your jaw and in your cheeks and in your face, and it keeps them supple. And so it's also sort of anti-aging. Uh, some of you are old enough to remember, as I am, the facial isometrics that were very popular in the 50s and 60s. You know, you tell you to make all these weird faces to move all the muscles in your face. This is along that line. It keeps that all the kind of like a 14-year-old? Active. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the next sense, you're funny. The next sense is sight. I'm ignoring you. Did you notice that? <laughs> All right. The next sense is sight. Um, and our eyes are one of the seats of pita dosha. So, or pitta, I should say. I never say it right. Pitta is hot and light, and therefore any heat will aggravate pitta, aggravating the eyes. Because of this, our eyes must be protected from heat at all times. And Ayurveda believes that one cause, one cause of disease is misuse of the senses, either overuse, underuse, or misuse. Um, so some examples of underuse of your sight would be um, like reading in, uh, uh, reading in the dark, eye strain. Um, overuse of sight would be, you know, being in bright lights all day long, having to sit at a computer for long t- uh, lengths of time, um, or, or any screen, a cell phone, a tablet, a laptop. That it's, it's, you're overusing your sight. And misuse of sight would be, uh, you know, kids who are playing uh, violent video games for excessive amounts of time during the day or, um, you know, somebody who likes horrible horror movies and they're watching them all the time. Um, they consider that, Ayurveda considers that disturbing images and they, they think that that's not something that you should be doing. They consider that misuse of the gift of sight. So some ways that you can care for your eyes is you can do an eye wash, splashing your eyes with cold water first thing in the morning and, um, I incorporate this into my miniaturia, and I love it. And it's funny because every time I do it, excuse me, every time I do it, I think of uh, that scene in uh, oh, there's a movie and it's Fate Dunaway, and she's putting ice packs and, and cold water all over her face, and I'm like, geez, I'm not like that, but yeah, splash of cold water on my face. I I do the same thing. I mean, get up in the morning, splash cold water. It tightens up the skin around your eyes. Uh, it, it wakes me up and, you know, clears out the, the sleep from the corner of the eyes and uh, kind of refreshes me and gets my day started. 
so that I can go do all the things I'm going to do before I shower. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm going to get up and do my self-care. I'm going to do some kind of movement, uh, even if it's just a few minutes of sun salutation, before I mm-hmm. go back and take my shower. Right. So, uh, so this uh, you know, really helps to get me awake before I even get started. Right. Um, one of the other <clears throat> ways that we can care for our eyes is considered an eye salve. And that would be applying an herbal ointment to the inner eyelid to soothe the eyes and prevent eye strain and sun sensitivity. <clears throat> and then there's eye saturation. And that's good for those who suffer from extremely dry eyes and moisturizing the eyes with like a room temperature ghee. I know this sounds strange to us. What? You want me to put clarified butter in my eyes? Um, it's, <laughs> it's ghee is like their go-to for everything. Uh, they truly, and there's some science behind this, believe it or not. Aviaretta truly believes that ghee, clarified butter, is the gateway to good health. I mean, they put it in everything. They put it on their skin. Yeah. They put it in their eyes. They put it up their nose. They, they do everything with it. Um, and, and honestly, who can, who can argue with 5,000 years of, uh, you know, trials on this stuff? seems to work. Um, well, here's the funny part is why are you saying they? It's now we. Well, this is true. It is we. You know, we, we in Ayurveda and, and the sister science of yoga, we do these things. Um, so I encourage everyone to start their day splashing the cool water into their eyes um, and, you know, in doing some of these other dhinacharya things. You know, you don't have to do them all, but if you think that you could benefit from, say, the eye salve or the eye saturation, um, meet with an Ayurvedic practitioner and, you know, discover which treatment and how frequently you should do these might be best for you. If you're somebody who suffers from chronic eye strain, you have tension headaches because of eye strain, maybe this is something that will help. If you feel that you're running around all the time with your eyes are dry and painful and allergen, you know, oriented, you know, maybe, maybe the, the ghee, uh, you know, moisturize the, the eye saturation, the moisturization of your eyes with the ghee will help. What's the worst it can do? It's going to, you know, it's, can't hurt you. It's freaking butter. We eat butter. <laughs> so, um, oh, did I just say freaking on the radio? <laughs> oh, it's better than what you could have said. Hey, that's true. You know, it's internet radio. It's, what do you want? That's true. That's true. The FCC cannot um, touch us. Yeah. Okay. So the next of our senses is smell. And um, Aviareta has a couple of different practices. Uh, that care for your nose. I know that sounds odd. Uh, and because the anatomy of the nasal passages, really regular care for your nose also prevents disease of the eyes and ears and headaches. And how many of us have frequent headaches, especially these days, stress headaches, migraine headaches, all kinds of headaches. Um, also in yoga, we breathe in through our nose. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the life force uh, prana comes in through our nose, so the healthier uh-huh. our sinus system is, um, you know, the the better our breath, the better, uh, uh-huh. more healthy our breathing is going to be as well. Yep, agreed. Okay, so one of the things they do is the application of oil in the nose. So by applying sesame oil, a medicated oil or ghee. Remember, I said about the clarified butter. That's the ghee. Uh, in the nostrils daily, it soothes and protects the nasal passages. And it will also reduce stiffness in the neck, jaw, and it's great for insomnia uh, because it really helps clear up everything and, and, and moisturize everything in the nasal passages and helps you breathe so much better. Um, and so all you need is, say, some sesame oil and a dropper. And then, you know, sort of, I do this by lying on my bed and letting my head hang off the edge, edge of the end of the bed, like sideways. And then I just tilt my head back and I put like two drops of the sesame oil in each nostril. And then I sort of inhale it in through my nostril. Um, and you will be able to taste it. And, you know, if the oil comes out through your mouth, you can always spit it out. You don't have to keep it in your mouth. Um, but... 
you know, you, it, it, it definitely helped, has helped me innumerably. I don't know. Some of you who know me know this. I broke my nose when I was a kid. And my right sinus, for years, I had not been able to breathe out of it. And whenever I get a cold, my right sinus won't drain, and I always wind up at the doctor with antibiotics. And since I have been doing this, I can breathe through my right nostril. It seems to be draining. So whatever it is in the sesame oil is truly helping. And this practice is, I mean, I I don't get headaches. I don't feel stuffy on the right side so much anymore. It's such a relief. I can't even begin to explain how this has changed my life, this simple practice of a couple of drops of oil up my nose. Um, And then some of you may be also uh, familiar with the neti pot. So neti is nasal irrigation. So if you suffer from chronic cold, sinus blockage, rhinitis, and again, headaches, uh, frequent irrigation of nasal passages is another way to care for the nose. And you will need a neti pot and a saline solution, lukewarm and, and best to use rock salt. Um, table salt that we use in the United States is devoid of all beneficial minerals. Um, and it has iodine added. Now, iodine was long time ago added to salt for health reasons that we no longer need. Uh, It was, you know, to combat all kinds of, uh, I can't remember exactly what disease it was, but it's a disease that nobody gets anymore. I'll have to look that up for the next time I do this because I've read the history on it and I just right now can't remember uh, the disease that it was supposed to help. But, um, so lukewarm water, rock salt, I usually recommend that when you do this, you either use a distilled water or you make sure that you get like a high quality water and boil it for three minutes. Let the water stand and cool off, of course, to a, like a lukewarm state. Um, because you, if you live in a city and you, you have highly chlorinated water in cities, you don't want to put chlorinated water up your nose. It's like, you know, pool water, right? You don't like getting it up your nose. It's like, ugh, dirty. So a lot I, I get a lot of people who tell me, oh, I tried the neti pot and the water burned going in my nose. And it's usually because of the chlorination of your water. Uh, and on the flip side of this is if you have well water and you're like most people who have well water, there's some total coliform in the water in your well. And drinking it doesn't hurt you, but probably not the best thing to put up your nose. So distilled water uh, or boiled water and then let it sit and cool off um, so that you could use it. Um, so in order to do the actual neti pot, uh, you'll mix the, and they sell solutions for this, but I think a lot of those prepackaged solutions are using table salt, not rock salt. So probably best if you mix it yourself. Uh, so to perform the, the neti pot, tilt your head to the side over a sink, place the spout of the neti pot in the, nostril that's on the upper side, pour the saline solution slowly into your upper nostril, and if you're tilted correctly, it should flow out of the other nostril and into the sink. If you have a deviated septum or experience occasional nosebleeds, consult your apparatic practitioner before incorporating nasal irrigation into your dinacharya because it can divert the water uh, and sometimes you can activate nose. So you, you want to check with your uh, practitioner, your aviuretic practitioner, before you do it. Um, also, you can prevent wear and tear um, by making an effort to not misuse your sense of smell. You know, some of us have noticed that as we age, our sense of smell is diminishing. And that's because we've either overused it or abused it or ignored it or um, so what are some of the examples of overusing, overuse of smell, overly perfect, you know, if you're one of the women who would like, before you leave in the morning, really overdoes it with perfume. And I know you're out there cause I've smelled you on the subway. Okay. I love you, but you know, please, you're supposed to spray the perfume and walk through it, spray it right on your body. Um, so, or, or if you, uh, usually smell things that are very sharp and pungent, uh, those kinds of things will sort of burn out your your sense of smell overuse. 
And some examples of underuse of smell would be never smelling anything. I once had a, I once had a, a friend of mine comment that her, she couldn't stand her husband's habit of having to smell every forkful of food. And I was like, well, don't you smell your food? She's like, no, I never smell my food. I was like, well, why not? She's like, cuz, you don't need to smell it. You're going to taste it. So she was just the kind of person who just never smelled anything. And it used to drive her crazy that her husband would smell his food before he would eat it. Um, and then, of course, again, there's, there are examples of people who misuse their sense of smell, which is like, let's say you're somebody who does, I don't know, furniture restoration for a living, and you're constantly smelling very toxic um, uh, chemicals. So that's going to be like a misuse of your nasal, you know, lining and, and, and or if you're somebody who smells things that are, you know, decayed, you're, you're the guy who picks up dead animals on the side of the road from, for the DOT or uh, of your state. So, you know, you have no choice. So that's kind of a misuse of your sense of smell. Um, the next thing would be hearing. And... Your ears are the seat of vada. And vada, remember, is cold and dry. And one of the primary remedies for vada is oil. And it's soothing and warming and grounding and nourishing. So it's no surprise in Avirita, uh they suggest that we apply oil to the ears. Using a dropper, you can apply two to six drops of sesame oil into ear and allow the oil to sit in the ear cavity for 30 to 90 seconds. This therapy is wonderful for preventing ear infections and is also a great treatment for TMJ and vertigo. To enhance the therapy, you can massage your outer ear a little bit. So in high school, I was a swimmer, and I used to get swimmer's ear a lot. And one of the things that our swimming coach used to have us do was he had this little... Um, a hot pad in, in, in the gym, in the little, uh, in his office. He would warm up some oil on the hot pad. I think we used to use olive oil. And he would throw in a crushed clove of garlic. And then he would let that warm for a little while. And then he'd put the cotton ball in the oil with the garlic and stick the warm um, cotton ball in our ears to help prevent and uh, treat swimmer's ear. Because, you know, swimmer's ear is painful. And um, I, I, once I learned that in high school, I used it all the time. I used it on my kids. I used it on myself. I have used it on my friends. And then here I am later finding out that they have a very similar treatment for earaches is garlic oil. So I, I don't know if he knew something already back then or if he just, you know, but you should not perform this therapy if your middle or inner ear is damaged, you have a perforated eardrum, you have an active ear infection, you have a cold or feel as if one is coming on, you have rhinitis, cyanitis, or tonsillitis, because those are all reasons for you to see your aburetic practitioner. So as long as you're healthy, and this is just a way of of sort of, you know, moisturizing the ears and cleaning them in a healthy way, not sticking Q-tips in there. Um, so, you know, if you have any of those problems, you're a credit practitioner. You can also prevent wear and tear on your ears, again, by not misusing your sense of hearing. And so overusing your sense of hearing would be something that I really am guilty of. Listening to overly loud music. Um, and or other stimulating sounds, you know, are you a police officer? Are you listening to sirens all day? Are you, a, you know, are you drive an ambulance, that sort of thing. Uh, you work in a machine shop that's very loud or a mechanic. Um, so what are some examples of underusing your hearing? Uh, people who don't listen to music, who don't speak very often, who just don't like to listen to anything. They avoid all sound. Um, and then there are some examples of people who are misusing hearing, and they are people who would be listening to super harsh and frightening sounds. So uh, let's say. Uh, so the music my daughter listens to. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, some of it, yeah. Um, or yeah. Um, so, so you know, listening to terrifying sounds. I'm not sure if that if what I was saying before, like a, a siren, would qualify, um, or or something like a again a, a very very loud machine shop, or you know maybe um, gun gunfire. Gunfire. Um, military military weapons. Yeah. Military weapons. Yeah, that sort of thing. You know, bombs bursting. Um, so that would be some of those types of sounds. Um, and that brings us to the conclusion of tastes that have to uh, that are involved. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Senses. The senses. Yes. That that brings us to the end of the senses. Do you want to maybe take a break well, or at nine thirty? This is. We're, I was going to say this is the uh, the bottom of the hour, the perfect time to take a break. Uh, I want to remind everybody that we are taking calls tonight at six four six. Five six four nine seven one four. Go ahead and uh, call in, get in the queue, uh, or put your questions in the chat room, and we'll get to those toward the end of the second half hour. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a break. We're going to listen to some sitar music uh, straight from the uh, Indian Department of Culture uh, recital they had going on in uh, Delhi a few years ago. So uh, listen in, and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
you for listening to Ujvala Radio on the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. And now, back to the show. And welcome back, everybody. Um, let's see, we were, before the break, we were talking about the uh, senses and how they apply in Ayurveda. Uh, and we're going to pick up uh, in just a minute with uh, some stuff about the digestion. And you know, Robin's already mentioned how uh, Ayurveda is all about uh, not just what we eat, but how we digest it. So we're going to spend the next half hour uh, roughly talking about that. But I did want to remind everyone, next week, uh, that is one week from tonight. We are going to have a special guest. We're going to have Andy Betancourt, uh, one of I the founders. Wait. Yeah, one of the founders of the school that we go to, um, uh, the uh, Yogaveya Institute. And uh, we are very excited that he's going to be coming on. He teaches some of the classes in philosophy and and those sorts of practices. So we're going to be talking next week about uh, essentially yoga philosophy and some very cool detailed um, uh, stuff in the uh, in regards to the eight limbs of yoga and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm excited uh, that that I'm going to be able to have that conversation with him, and you guys are going to get to hang out and listen to us. So I just did you want to bring that up so that uh, we make sure and have a great turnout next week because you're going to love this show. I mean, he is a very fun person to listen to and we're excited to have him. So with that said, uh, back to Robin. Hi. Okay. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited about Andy being on next week as well. I, I, I've known about this for a couple of weeks and just, I, I cannot wait to talk to him because he's, he's such a knowledgeable guy. So sweet and so well-meaning. And he, I mean, he, he will spend literally a half hour answering your question because he wants everybody so badly to understand this and see the beauty in this, in, in, in yoga and the philosophy. And it, it, he's just really an, an amazing, an amazing guy to talk to. Um, so I'm really looking forward to next week. So I'm, one of the things I'm going to do is we're going to sort of, we already talked a little bit about spiritual practice. So I'm going to kind of leave that for another show when we can really dive into it and talk about it in depth because Andy's going to be on next week. So it'd be kind of silly for me to do, you know, my, my little synopsis here on spiritual practice. So if you want to hear about spiritual practice in depth, come next week and listen to Andy. So what I'm going to do is we're going to skip to uh, Ugni, which is the concept in Ayurveda where they say you are what you digest. And that means that whatever food we put in our mouth eventually comes to your skin and your bones and um, your blood. And so it's no surprise that Ayurveda emphasizes proper digestion. And again, this is something that's become sort of trendy over the last 10 years or so. Um, but Ayurveda has been looking at this as the central pillar of health in, in people for, again, 35 to 5,000 years. Um, and I, 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 that just amazes me. So, um, so there's this concept uh, that Agni is the fire that cooks the food inside our body and it's, it's your digestive fire. So it's, it's, it's the thing that um, makes you feel hunger and, you know, Agni, Agni is hot and sharp and light and it shares the same qualities as the sun. And which in some ways, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because the sun burns hot, but it also changes the things it touches. It, it, you know, before we had fire, people actually would use things being put out in the sun to dry them and cook them because it was the only only thing they had available to them. So if they were going to dry some meat, for example, and use that as jerky, or they wanted to make salt, they had to dry out the water to get the salt. So yeah, I think you understand. So um, the Agni is 
our digestive fire and it's strongest in the middle of the day when the sun is high in the sky and our digestive fire wind blows as the sun begins to set. It's sort of, sometimes I say blows, I'm sorry, it winds down as the sun begins to set. And for this reason, Ayurveda stresses that we eat our largest meal at lunch. Who knew all those old people who go for those early bird specials were right all this time? So, because that's when your your agni is at its as it's functioning at its at its optimal level is in the middle of the day midday that's when you should be eating um, your your largest meal and, and it optimizes. Yeah, that's the way it was in the islands when I was living down there. Uh, you eat that big meal at lunch, and then uh, you just have a little bit of a, a nibbles uh, in the evening uh, to carry you through. Mm-hmm. So I was I was interested to see how how much that applied uh, when I started studying you know, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny how different cultures have uh, sort of incorporated uh, that as part of their you know uh, just part of the way they do things. Uh, and you know, some other cultures have it the complete opposite. You know, a lot of like. Uh, Parts of Europe, they eat very, very late at night. Spain, Italy, big meals late at night. Um, Portugal, you know. Although in Spain, they have the tapas thing too. But um, but anyway, so yeah, different cultural things. But, but for Ayurveda, they say eat that meal, that big meal, when your, um, your, your digestive fires are at their peak. And then for dinner, later in the evening, you want to make sure that you're going to eat something that's easy to digest and try to do it before the sun sets. Because when the sun sets, that's your time to start winding down and, and going to body, you know, going to sleep. You want your body to be prepared for, you know, this is the wind down of the evening. It's kapha time. We're going to go to sleep soon. So remember, um, in the beginning of this, we talked about, and some of you weren't here for the very beginning, I realize that, but we talked about making sure you keep an open mind when it comes to Ayurveda um, because some things that, that Ayurveda does are, are very different to what we do in our culture. You know, we work during the day and we use it as a way to connect with our families at night. And unfortunately, this habit of eating that big meal late at night it doesn't align with our body's natural rhythm. And as a result, the food that we eat doesn't digest properly. And oftentimes our sleep is affected. So if you're somebody who really has trouble sleeping, you might want to make that shift and experiment with it. Okay, I'm going to eat my large meal in the, you know, in the middle of the day and eat something late, lighter for dinner and see if my sleep doesn't improve. So if you were to take away just the one thing from, from this workshop – uh, and from this from this chats we've been having on the on the you know on the air, obviously this is a workshop that uh, we do give. Um, I would like to make one change: eating your largest meal for lunch, and that would be between the hours of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. wherever it is that you live, and then a light dinner before seven o'clock at night, um, because your digestive fire winds down. About about that time, it's so impor- important to do this for your body and your overall health. And and don't just take my word for it. If you try it for just a week, I guarantee that you'll notice the results. And it might take a couple of days of trial and error uh, to space portion your meals accordingly, and that's to be expected. But if you can get your rhythm down uh, and align yourself with the natural rhythms of the day. It will give you more energy. It will help with your sleep. It will relieve some stress on your body and on your on your psyche too. Because you know, in Ayurveda, everything is connected. If your body is functioning well, if you're digesting your food well, your mood will be enhanced. Your, um, uh, you, you know, I mean, just everything will be better. You'll have more energy. You'll feel better. You'll look better. It's just a win-win. So. Um, What you can also do is keep a log. You know, once you start doing this, you just write down, hey, today I felt this way. 
and you know the next day today I felt this way and you can then you can look back it doesn't have to be more than three sentences it's not I'm not telling you have to write you know three pages three sentences and just say how you feel how you felt with the, with the lighter meal in the evening and the and the heavier lunch and and keep track of it and see how you feel and 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 over the course of that week or two that you're going to do this you'll see the changes and you'll you'll, you'll actually see how it has affected you I know it has. I know it has really helped uh, Terry an awful lot. He really does prefer. And even um, when we first got together, I mean, he was always say to me, "Oh, you know, I, I'm not used to this. The you know, the big dinner at night. I usually would have a big lunch, and then like snacks for dinner. And I always thought, oh gosh, that's unhealthy. You know, <laughs> don't do that. But I guess, you know, if you're not eating, you know cruddy snacky food it's okay you just have to you know maybe in the evening you have like a light soup in the winter or in the summer you have a salad or maybe you just have um some fruit and and maybe some crackers you know something light and easy to digest so part of what we're talking about here with the times of day that certain things happen is what they call your dosha clock and um in the beginning, again, of, of, our, of this talk, um, the person who, you know, we talked about being close to nature, and the closer you are to, to nature, the better your health is going to be. And the further one wanders away from nature, the more they suffer. And this is because the individual and nature are intertwined. And they, therefore, Ayurveda recommends that we align our inner nature, ourselves, with our outer nature, our environment so that we try to live in harmony with the, the rhythms of nature um, and, you know, day-to-day uh, rhythms. And you, we all know when the sun sets and when it rises and when the moon is full, you look up at the sky, you see the full moon. Those are the kinds of natural rhythms that we're talking about. Um, so the doji clock, 2 to 6 a.m. is Vata time. It's the Vata time of the day. So Vata is clear and mobile and light. In fact, one of the one and a half hours before sunrise is what the yogis call Brahma Mutra. And remember that this is the time when the five um, koshas become clear. Make it the optimal time for a spiritual practice for yoga, meditation, breath work, and breath work. So we want to try and wake up before sunrise for spiritual practice, uh, where, where, whatever that may be for you, whether it's going to be a long, you know, meditation and then prayer, or whether you're just going to say, you know, five minutes of prayer, um, whatever that's going to be, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It just has to be sincere and done routinely. Uh, and before we do anything else, remember, we want to poop. Got to go. Eliminating waste is hugely important. Uh, we spent an entire show just talking about that, just about. Um, so we want to release yesterday's waste and start the day with a clear uh, uh, intestines, clear channel, if you will. And so you aren't going to. So if you aren't able to go to the bathroom first thing in the morning, you'll want to incorporate some of the things that um, we talked about during that show, and that would have been last week's show. Um, in yoga, we practice uh, saucha, which is Sanskrit for purity. And ideally, we want to perform the five sense care first, uh, first thing in the morning, even before your yoga practice. And I know this may sound pretty daunting, but once your five sense care routine becomes a habit, it can go very quickly. And so here's like a little outline of what we would recommend. And so if you get up, you splash some cool water on your eyes, you know, and on your face. Um, check out your tongue, scrape it, brush your teeth, massage the oil into your body. Remember we talked about that? The sense of touch, and it's very good for you, relaxing. Uh, and then while you're at it, you can add some oil to your ears and your nose. And then you can pop in the shower and rinse off. Um, and then I know we talked about oil pulling, but you usually save that for after your spiritual practice. Um, sort of like that final uh, rounding act after spiritual practice. Uh, from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., 
is kapha time. And then the kapha, as we remember, is heavy and wet and slow. And it has a downward pulling energy. So do you, do you know that feeling when you've, over, when you've overslept and your eyes are heavy and you're sort of feeling slow to get going in the morning? Um, that's kapha energy. So to counter, counterbalance this downward pulling heavy energy, we want to incorporate light, mobile, and stimulating activities. And this, between 6 and 10 a.m., is the perfect time to exercise. An exercise doesn't need to be an hour, you know, running or, um, you know, some super hard workout. Um, it can be a walk, you know, go for a walk for 20 minutes. You can do jumping jacks, you can do hula hoop, you can turn on the radio and dance if that's something that you like to do. Um, that also, you know, releases stress. And, and whatever it is that you enjoy doing that moves your body and gets your heart rate up. And then after we've done these things, we want to eat our breakfast during this time of day, preferably before 8 o'clock, so that your food has time to fully digest before eating that larger lunch that we talked about. And generally, breakfast is going to also be something fairly light. Um, uh, and, and, you know, because it's kapha time, you want to make sure that it's not too, too wet. You want to, you know, keep, it, keep breakfast light. So between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. is the time of the day. Pitta is fiery and sharp. And to benefit from this spike in mental activity, plan on doing your most productive and intellectually challenging work in these morning hours. Pitta's energy helps the mind solve problems and sort problems effectively. So Pitta being hot and sharp, um, again, is the result that uh, and, I'm sorry, and as a result, this is when our digestive fire is strongest. And therefore, we want to eat our heaviest meal again at this time of day. Between 2 and 6 p.m. is vata time. Vata is mobile. And because of this, the mind and the digestive fire and energy is variable. And this is a good time to take a pause, a siesta in some cultures, right, at this time of day, and, and just try to regroup, even if it's just for five minutes, um, just Take a breath, sit down, and just give yourself a mental break. If you don't have to work, this is also a great time for relaxation exercise, especially if you're a Vata type. Take five minutes and do some relaxing breathing. If you're if you're somebody who's not driven, you know that that doesn't appeal to them. Maybe you do a little needlepoint, or you crochet uh, or you do some tasks five that sort of guided, yeah, five minute guided meditation ah five minute guided meditation there you go um and and you know terry's actually going to be doing those so uh we'll 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 catch on to that later that's why he brought that up um but these you know whatever it is that you feel that relaxes you. I know sometimes if I'm really feeling overwhelmed I get out my phone and I start playing this little um a crossword puzzle game that I love. <laughs> Five minutes mental relaxation for me anyway. So from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. is kapha time of the day. And this is, I, in my opinion, a very important time of the day because it's when our body winds down. And it's going to set the tone for our sleep. And the sleep that we get tonight is going to set the tone for tomorrow's day and how productive we're going to feel and how well we're going to feel. So as I mentioned before, kapha has a downward pulling energy, and it's heavy and wet and slow. And during this time, our digestive system has begun to wind down. And because of this, we want to eat something light for dinner that our body's going to digest easily. We we also want to choose something that we can that can reach the stomach in the digestive process before we go to bed and in order to optimize sleep. So preferably eat that light meal before 7 p.m. And if we utilize this heavy, slow energy correctly and not fight against it in the evening with stimulating screens, caffeine, work activities, uh, this helps our body get in the right mood for sleep. Right. Therefore, this is a good time to implement your conscious nighttime routine uh, that we'll talk about 
Um, and, and we talked about it in uh, one of the earlier uh, discussions we've had about Dinacharya. But it's all leading you to that 10 p.m. bedtime. So a good nighttime routine, you know, can be anything from, you know, washing your face and um, maybe a little more massage, an evening massage to relax you. Um, and then, that, you know, you can leave the oil when you go into to bed at night. You can leave the oil on um, as long as you haven't overdone it, you know. Leave a little bit of the oil on your skin, and then that's that's moisturizing overnight. Um, and then, you know, it could be a warm glass of milk with maybe whatever, maybe some nutmeg or some turmeric or whatever it is that you like in, in that warm glass of milk, maybe a little honey, whatever it is you like Chauvin to help you off into sleep. I'm sorry? Chauvin brush. Chauvin brush, yeah. Um, you know, when we do herbology, um, when we will, we'll talk about Ayurvedic herbs. Um, Chauvin brush is this sort of jelly that has a ton of really good uh, medicinal herbs in it. And they, most Indian people eat this every day. And it's just, it's like a jam. And it tastes something akin to um, a cross between fig jam and mince pie, kind of. It's, it's got like clove and cinnamon and it's very warming, you know, calming spices. And you put it on a piece of toast or you, or you mix it up in some warm milk and it's, it's really delicious. Uh, so anyway. Yeah. First time I tasted it, I, I was, I, I thought it was very much like the, um, you know, the, the Christmas mince, uh, mince pies. Mm-hmm. And, and, and since I'm a great fan of those, that was even a better, you know, it was, you know, you know touchdown. It was a yep. you know, huge score for me and warm milk, you know, half a cup of warm milk with a couple of teaspoons of that in the evening. And mm-hmm me right off to bed so it's wonderful yeah. stuff yeah in india they consider it a rejuvenative um it keeps you young and helps you focus and i can personally tell you i am experiencing a lot of of benefits from this my, my brain fog is clearing and um i mean i'm taking some other things too but in combination with the shavan prash uh, I, I'm feeling so much better and more motivated and I have more energy and I'm not as tired. And it, it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. We have one more time period to cover with the doshic clock and that's from 10 PM to 2 AM. And that's pit time of day. So have you ever had that thing where you're really tired at nine o'clock at night, but you force yourself to stay awake and all of a sudden, it's, it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and you are wide awake, and you can't figure out why it was at 9 you were so tired, and now you're wide awake and you can't go to sleep. Um, this is going to explain that. So if you stay awake past the energetic shift between the kapha and pitta time, it's likely that you'll get the second wind, and you'll burn your burning energy that you should be storing for the next day. So staying awake during the pitta hours makes it difficult to fall asleep before midnight and thus making it difficult to enjoy the, the awe of early morning or Brahma Muerta. So being awake during those, these hours also messes with our body's ability to naturally clean house during the night. So remember that pitta is fire and pitta is digestion, absorption, and assimilation. And if we eat a light dinner early enough, and we fall asleep before 10, we can optimize the process and utilize the energy of Pitta to make us feel better and get better rest and have that body optimize, you know, its digestion during that time. So bed by 10 and up before the sunrise. Um, A lot of very effective executives in the West and in the East are all up at like 4.30 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. They all know that that early morning time is very essential to collect their, their thoughts for the day and to, you know, do a little self-care and so they can move through their day effectively. Um, so, yeah, you know. a group called the 5.30 Club that actually gets on a, a video conference at 5.30 every morning and checks in with each other. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty much everything. 
that we nutshell. that we were going to talk about. Yeah, in a nutshell, there there are more aspects to dinacharya, but we are, we can cover those at you know another another time. Wait, I'm Absolutely. so excited. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear hear from Andy next week. I'd like you all to tune in and listen to that. Um, also, I know you guys have heard us talk a little bit about Yoga Veda Institute. That's the school that both Terry and I are attending. I'm going to to uh, to school there to become uh, an abiuretic practitioner and yoga therapist. Terry's getting his yoga teacher's uh, certification, um, and we are so uh, in awe of the people who run this school. They are amazing human beings. Uh, Jackie, who is, who is Andy's wife and one of the, uh, uh, I think she's the director of the school. Um, she always talks about having a heart centered business. And that is exactly how I can describe Yoga Veda they understand that you're not just a check in the mail with tuition. You are a person, you have a life, you have things going on, and they have bent over backwards to help us both. And I am just Absolutely. so grateful to have found them. Yeah, so grateful to have found the school. And I know it's the right fit because, I mean, you call up Casey and talk to Casey, and she's just this ball of energy and she's just so welcoming and warm and um, genuine and a cheerleader for every one of us absolutely and um, so if you go to our Facebook page which is Ujvala um, Ayurveda and Yoga Center um, you'll find pinned at the top of that page the links for the Yoga Veda Institute so go to the Facebook page, check out the Institute. They have the Sister Science um, program, which is free. And it's like a two-week yeah. program. And it will introduce you to Ayurveda and a lot of the things that we're talking about. And the program, once I went through it, I felt, wow, I can do this. This is awesome. And even if you don't, um, want to go on to do Ayurveda, then you've at least gotten a base knowledge of it. But and you can I mean, have a better conversation with your practitioner. Absolutely. Yeah, it will definitely help you do that. Um, I, I honestly truly feel that the state of medical care here in the United States and in the West in general um, has gotten so far away from what it was supposed to be both monetarily and in how we treat patients on a daily day-to-day basis and our idea of health care. You know, here in the West, oh, you don't feel good, you go to the doctor. Ayurveda looks at it from the opposite direction. They look at it from, I'm going to give you things that are going to make you feel every day and teach you how to live a lifestyle every day that's going to make you feel good every day, and you won't get sick. It is a comprehensive, preventative medicine system so such a good way to approach it but if you are already not well it has cures for that too and again stuff that's 3500 years old this is yeah, not fly by night back into balance. Right. It, treat, it, yeah. it treats the illnesses as an imbalance and it's uh, treatments to bring us back into balance and then mm-hmm. the idea is to stay in balance so that you don't have to go Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't have to, to get well again. You stay well. And yeah. you know, treating the whole person instead mm-hmm. of just the portion of the body that has the symptom, which isn't even the root cause half the time. So, right. you know, the, 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 the sister sciences of Ayurveda and, and yoga uh, working together, uh, mind, body, and soul, it is such an incredible uh, comprehensive program of uh, holistic uh, mm-hmm. treatment, you know, treating the whole body, treating the person as a person and mm-hmm. not a set of symptoms. Um, it's just, it's, it's such a completely different mindset Yeah, and so refreshing and so in line with everything that Robin and I have been doing our whole lives. Yeah. Our, our, our spiritual careers have brought us to this place. You know, I was talking with a, um, someone who has worked with us in the uh, former uh, former shows that we were doing. 
And they were saying, well, you used to do all these spiritual shows and now you're doing this other stuff. And it's like, I had to explain to them that, that nothing has changed mm. in my spiritual understanding. We've just incorporated this food and nutritional aspect of it and the, the, the Ayurvedic part of it going in with the spiritual aspects of what we were already learning and practicing. Mm-hmm. It's really become the complete package. It was the piece that was missing. It's not yes. a replacement for what we were doing. Mm-hmm. It is a completion, a, a, a uh, uh, the cherry on top, if you will, mm-hmm. that, that brought it all together into a single package. So it's just, it's, it's exciting uh, to be a part of this. It's exciting to be a part of Yoga Veda Institute. And yeah. We're so looking forward to having Andy on. Again, like Robin said, go check the, the links in that post pinned to the top of our uh, Ujvala Ayurveda and Yoga Center Facebook page. And also be on the lookout. Hopefully next week I will be introducing uh, for Ready for Public Consumption the, uh, uh, the Ujvala, Facebook, or, um, Ujvala website. So it is almost finished, and I'll hopefully, like I said, by next week, be ready. It'll be ready for prime time and having uh, visitors uh, come and check it out. Uh, mm-hmm. So with all of that said, my love, we have gone over time. And we promised, we, our listeners, but we promised our listeners to try to get them to sleep, you know, that, that, you know, that, that coffee time. We're trying to get into, mm-hmm. trying to get people out of here by 10 o'clock. So um, thank you guys for being with us. Thank you for staying up. If you're listening in the archives, thank you for uh, tracking those down as well. And good night to the cat. And uh, <laughs> we wish you a week filled with love and wonder. Namaste and blessings. Good night, everyone. Good night. Spread the love. for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Mm-hmm.